Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Science of the Southland recap show. Uh, as always, my name is Akshay Ishwaran, and joining me from across the way in a beautiful midtown Atlanta this evening is Mr. Jake Grant. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right. Um, hit the links, you know, because I'm old and uh, I like golf now, which is weird. Ah, yes. I mean, I, you know, it's on brand. The Masters are next week. So you got to get some practice in, right? Oh, for sure. Because, you know, I, I'm going to get that green jacket when I can uh, not take three approach shots and uh, three putt a hole half the time. But sure. Maybe we'll uh, we'll enter you in the uh, youth tournament, you know, the U9 tournament. I uh, I don't need to get beaten by uh, a bunch of children that would just be upsetting but it would definitely happen so oh it would absolutely happen i i haven't seen you golf but i i have a feeling oh you would laugh too oh my goodness it'd be it'd be bad but this is why um, i just accept that i can't golf and don't I, sh- I should just stick to tennis in terms of uh coronavirus pandemic sports <laughs> okay fair enough Fair enough. We can we can enter you in the uh, U9, like, French Open or something. That'll oh, work. Oh, man. I mean, at this rate, you'd need to en- enter me in a U9 uh, swim meet, too. But, you know, that's a little more sad. Yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not pack unpack that one. Uh, that's, that's for later. <laughs> it's a separate discussion. Uh, okay, so on the docket this week, we had some non-rev news come down the pipe. Swim... Uh, had a dual meet. Was that at FSU or was that here? I, I that, didn't. That was at FSU, uh, mm. but they did bring Danny Karnick along. So uh, we still have some uh, home meet worthy uh, visuals. Interesting. Interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, we have some recruiting news from softball and basketball that we'll touch on. Obviously, a lot of ACC football action during Tech's bye week. Uh, and then we will wrap up talking about Pittsburgh next weekend. Uh, how? Where Where do you want to start? I'll, I'll let you pick. Um, well, we always start with non-rev, and I got my sheet open, so let's uh, let's talk swimming. Oh my God, you are so lazy and predictable. Come on, come on. Spice it up sometimes. Work with me here. Okay, okay. Um, let's uh, start talking about, uh, I don't know, uh, what do you like? Let's say uh, Cyprus. We can talk Cyprus first. No, 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 no. That's, that's after we lose another game by a terrible margin. Remember, we turn into a variety podcast after those. I'm uh, I'm fixing to do it again. We uh we have about three bad losses too many before uh before uh we hit our trigger. But in any we, case, um or let's let's start let's start with swim. Let's just go you know tried and true here. All right, fair enough. Um, Akshay, Akshay, Akshay. I'm gonna play a game. I, I don't think you've seen the results yet, have you? No, I haven't seen any. Okay, of them. okay, okay, okay. So. We've swum against FSU in a duel or a try, you know, like the head-to-head type stuff, um, 16 times in the last 18 years, okay? It's much higher than I thought it yeah. was, but continue. Well, it's it's shocking considering we only have like four dual meets a year, and usually they're against D3 and NAIA teams, but <laughs> scheduling. <clears throat> scheduling. <clears throat> scheduling. Um, anyways, um, so Florida State uh, is essentially always on our schedule. I want you to guess um, – 
how many times since the women's team uh, was inaugurated 18 years ago, uh, they have beat Florida State in head-to-head competition? Uh, I feel like the answer is going to be zero, but I'm, I'm going to guess at least twice. Well, you're right and you're wrong, because before this weekend, it was once. Aha! It was once. <laughs> In 2014, and if, and if I told you this headline, right, that the Georgia Tech swim team went down to Tallahassee and went one and one, so the men and the women split, who would you think won? Probably the men. Well, then, do I have a shocking development for you? <laughs> because I thought the same uh, darn thing. Sorry, got to keep this a family-friendly podcast. But to my shock, when I actually opened the headline, having already made my assumptions about what I was going to say about this meet based on reading the headline. Uh, gah, the women lost again, but the men are still good, so that's good. Blah, 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 blah. Um, to my shock, the women kind of throttled uh, Florida State. That's different. Certainly very different. And, I mean, this is on you for deciding on your narrative before actually reading the rest of the article. Yes, this is this this is true. This is true. Um, I'm going to give you another stat. Okay. Okay. There was 32 events, 16 men, 16 women. They did two two of which were diving, two of which were relays. They didn't okay. do a two three relay. That was a little weird. Uh, but the rest is kind of standard events, um, which means of 16 events, I want you to guess how many uh, the women took first place in. Uh, at least two. I'm going to go with that again. At least two. Okay. Well, it was 13 of 16. They took first in 13 of 16. 13 of 16 events. They lost the exact or two of the three that you'd expect, the 50 free and the 100 free. For whatever reason, uh, Georgia Tech just does not have deep sprints. And Florida State, they kind of tend to do that. Uh, and they lost the one-meter dive. But they made up for lost ground in the one-meter dive because two freshmen, two true freshmen, Took second and third. Lots of podiums here. I, yeah. I, I can dig it. Yeah, lots of podiums. In fact, um, I did. I have my uh, results sheet in front of me, and I kind of tinkered, uh, dropped the results. In oh, oh boy, like, he well, went to full data analyst again. Uh, if count if and sum if are data data analytics, then I am uh, your king. Uh, anyways, um, thirteen wins for the women. Uh, Fourteen of the. 23 podium spots for the women were taken by freshmen. Interesting. That's youth. Uh, That's depth in youth. Sorry. And this uh, double, triple, quadruple counts the relays. So it's, it's actually higher than 23. But anyways, um, it's more like 32-ish spots. But almost half were true freshmen. Nine were sophomores. Ten were juniors. Three were seniors. Um, of the nine sophomore spots, a transfer from Miami – Took first in the 500 and the 1,000 free, so picking right up where Ilgen Fritz, uh, I believe that was her name, left off because um, she graduated. So, mm-hmm. yeah, youth movement for the girls, and uh, it seems to be paying off. Yeah, that's – I mean, especially when you read out the results like that with the, the, the high concentration of sophomore and freshman podiums, like that's not just a youth movement. That's a, that's a depth in uh, – depth and talent in that part of the lineup too. Which is weird because I didn't, I didn't think that at first. So the, the men wound up uh, coming up short by four points. I, uh, 
talk to my respectable a quality loss quality uh, loss as they would say in sec country yeah um but they lost by four points and in his quote one or two personnel moves and uh it would have been flipped we should have won the meet uh combined the jackets took uh the combined men and women's score by a healthy margin but on the depth thing i have always seen this women's team since i've started covering them and since i got to georgia tech as being you know iris wang uh, Wong, I'm not really sure uh, which one it is, so I'm sorry if I got it wrong. Um, and Emily Ilgenfritz, and then the diver, Cameron Hidalgo, as being like those top three, and then there's just nothing, right? Like, I feel like that's kind of been the theme. Um, so I went to look for the relay results, and yeah, the, the 200 medleys weren't great, but the women's did win. Um, men got third. The men and women went 1-2 in both of the 400 free relays. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, when a narrative kind of starts to die, I think this is that time. Is this, is this uh death of a narrative instead of death of a salesman? I, I, I guess. I don't um, know. I haven't watched that play. Actually, I'm, I'm trying. To... I'm really digging for a joke here. I need to posit a scenario for you. Okay. Is this now a Courtney Sheely Hart Stan podcast? Uh, improve the scheduling and we'll talk. <laughs> I, yeah, th- that's uh, like, th- I, I'm like, I'm joking, but I'm also kind of serious. I understand that scheduling is restricted this, this year. Like, take a mulligan this year. That's fine. Next year, once you have the, f- uh, hopefully have the full slate open again, you know, I think what something we've been talking about, I think at least between us and maybe in the writer's room as well, is that this is one of the only programs in the nation that swims in a literal Olympic pool in, in, in every sense of the word. And then they've had also program improvements in that pool as well. That is a huge, huge recruiting tool. And, you, and, and what helps your program build off of that, because it's, it's not just a recruiting tool, it's a huge recruiting foundation. Um, what helps your program build off of that is scheduling quality opponents. I, 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 I'm not a swimmer or I used to be, and I'm not anymore. And I'm certainly not a college swimmer, so I can't, you know, peer into the mind there. But if they're anything like normal college athletes, they want to, you know, play the best to be the best, right? So they have to swim against quality competition. Maybe not the Texas and the Stanfords of the world need to like those guys don't need to come over to to Macaulay, but scheduling Athens again, having them on the schedule every year, having the other good programs and the other good programs and dual meets in the in the ACC, having them come in every year. That's how you start. You you challenge your own roster and you eventually, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I think it says a lot when you look at like some of the coronavirus swimming coverage, uh, swim swam for those who know them. It's a it's basically BuzzFeed, but for swimming. Anyways, they're obsessed with the Texas program. Their Instagram feed has been constantly Texas, blah 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 blah, and that's not too surprising outside of the, your Cal, your Stanford. Okay, your, but uh, like okay, but we're talking about Florida. Texas. The point, is, the point is, like, if you get you're not maybe going to get Texas on the schedule, but get one of those programs that people talk about and you have people 
swimming against a school that they see as being a power. You have a chance to beat them. And, uh, you know, you. I'm biased here, but I think swimmers are naturally smart people. You see a fair amount more engineers on this team than typically, I'd say, for tech. Um, it's a little bit – I think they graduated a couple um, more than uh, normal last year, but usually they skew pretty – you know, Georgia Tech engineering inclined, like you can you can recruit to that, you know, the same way you can mm-hmm. recruit a lot of cross country and uh, track types to a good engineering school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, figure out the figure out the scheduling, prove the scheduling and, and we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk about a partnership or sponsorship here. Yeah. Um, speaking of talking um out of, I've never been so sure of this, uh, but I think we could maybe get a guest from the program on uh, on the pod if we feel like it, and if maybe some of the audience is so inclined. But uh, we could work on that too. We'll we'll, we'll talk. We'll, yeah. we'll you know we'll workshop it. We'll 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 talk about it in committee. You know. Yeah, we we gotta we gotta fill the uh, COVID times on this light fall schedule somehow. But uh, we're also out of bye weeks, so uh, oops. <laughs> uh there more are coming soon enough if if you get my parlance we'll we'll figure it out maybe we'll have basketball to fill the void uh fill the void that, once it, over. that is true that's true we will get there uh next next on the list here we we were talking about swimming recruiting let's pivot over to softball recruiting um like i mentioned earlier softball did add a couple of commits for the next couple of years coming up um we have pitcher and first base Person, first base woman, Jaden, uh, Jaden Gailey out of Franklin County, Georgia. That's class of 2022. Uh, and then outfielder Ella Edgmond, uh, and she's in the class of 2021. Uh, I am not the resident softball expert, uh, as you all know. So I will let Jake and his uh, softball inclined knowledge here take the wheel. Well, uh, it's funny you should ask because I did spend this weekend up in Dalton at a travel softball tournament. Ah, yes, um, Dalton, the carpet capital of America. And uh, maybe the COVID capital, too, based on uh, behavior of uh, youth sports parents and mask wearing. But uh, this is not a judgment podcast. This is a sports podcast in which we judge the sports, not the uh, people. Anyway, Very good save. Very yeah, good save. Exactly. Um the only team local that I saw, um, I guess Tennessee Mojo was on the other field behind us, but I did see East Cobb play, but I don't think uh, any of them were close to a uh, recruitment status at Georgia Tech. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, um, but I wish I would have noticed because I'm pretty sure Gailey's team was there. I just don't know. Gailey is on Tennessee Mojo, that. yes. That is what I have gleaned from her Twitter account. Yeah. Um, I just don't know uh, if she was on the other field or at the other park. Point is, Mm -hmm. I didn't see her, but I wish I had uh, because her accolades are pretty deep. uh, And we definitely found more on her than we did on Edgman because uh, we're uh, poor and don't have recruiting rankings. So uh, hopefully they're uh, good. (laughs) Hopefully. You know, if you want us to pay for for recruiting rankings, keep keep giving us that ad revenue or, you know, just send us a Venmo request or not a request that, you know, Venmo payment. It's uh, for uh, Jake and Akshay to be the uh, leading coverage of not only swimming and tennis, but the official uh, podcast of softball. Uh, unofficial, official, unofficial, unofficial, official podcast of uh, Georgia Tech softball, which is a position that I know you would enjoy very much. Uh, I am. 
I wouldn't say I'm their biggest fan, but I am a big fan of them. Uh, I hope they continue to do well. And both of these players seem like uh, like good fits for the Jackets. So, uh, I don't know. They're, uh, they're staying kind of in the neighborhood and picking up some uh, at least decent credentialed players. So, hopefully that works out. Yeah, and just to round out the slate here, uh, speaking of the accolades that uh, Gailey has collected in her high school career, she was the... 2018 and 2019 Georgia Triple A Player of the Year. Triple A being the uh, classification uh, at GHSA, the Georgia High School Sports Association. Uh, and then she was also the 2020 Region 8 Triple A Pitcher of the Year. So, you know, highly rated. Yeah. Um, I was going to say one more thing, and I cannot remember what it was. So, Ooh. oh, well. You're really ruining my my transitionary moments here. I'm a horrible person, so uh, there you go. Well, you know, speaking of other horrible people, uh, specifically degenerate gamblers that stayed up very late to watch uh, Clemson and Notre Dame, we should talk about the other ACC matchups uh, in football that happened this week. Uh, sure, we can do that. I uh, see w- long and winding transition. This is what I was saying. You you ruined my moment, and, and I had something, and then you you just butted in, and now I had to come up with a long explanation. It seems like uh, we need mediating presences back on this podcast, but uh, who knows Probably. where the former co-hosts are? <sighs> who knows? Maybe they've just you know been pass interference into a different dimension. Hey, that would uh, that would explain a lot. But, or uh, stuck in replay review. Ooh, that see, I feel Topical. like review, it could never end, you know. Or they could that. review it twice. True. Um, okay. I let's... will be the first to admit that uh, the only game I watched any of at all <laughs> this week was the the Notre Dame Clemson in terms of ACC. So uh, I'm glad that's last on our list because we have to also recap the rest of these too. Yeah, we let's. I watched a couple of these, so let's let's just walk through the uh, the slate starting on Friday because uh, we did have a Friday game this week. The seven thirty on ESPN was number eleven Miami forty four NC State forty one. This one this this one went late. Like the, the NC State hung in there. This this was a very winnable game for them, and I think. Uh, Bailey Hockman, their uh, backup quarterback, starting in place of Devin O'Leary, uh, played pretty well. And they just, like, you know, NC State, crap. They just kind of couldn't get it done. Yeah. Um, that jives with basically what I heard. It was, it was close final score. Seemed like a lot of points got put up. Um, probably, probably typical Friday night ACC content. Ah, yes. Friday night ACC games are basically Big 12 games. This is yeah. known. I was going to say high school, but that sounds uh, like that would make sense too. More or less. More or less. All right. On Saturday, the nooner on ESPN2 uh, was North Carolina 56, Duke 24. Honestly, not much on this one. This is kind of what I expected. Yeah. Uh, Duke is terrible. Uh, so when our questionably terrible team – uh, plays them in a couple weeks, that will be uh, definitely interesting. Fireworks of a particular persuasion is my prediction for that one. Dang it, I just remembered what I was going to say earlier. I was going to make a joke about hopefully Gailey doesn't go 7-6. and six. God. Ooh. 
man. A total missed opportunity. But anyways, we're on ACC roundup. Yeah, we're on we're on the ACC roundup now. You you've lost your moment. Uh, the the other nooner. This one was on the ACC network. Number twenty five, Liberty thirty eight, Virginia Tech thirty five. I think it's important to note here, and I watched a good chunk of this. Virginia Tech did the miracle on Tech with thing with the uh, with a field goal that Liberty attempted at the end of the game but got sniped by Justin Fuente calling a timeout right before the kick. And then so Liberty threw one miracle, miracle. Yes. Wow. It was, wow. it was kind of funny. I'm not going to lie, but I also have a very dark sense of humor. So, you know, take it, take that for what you will. Uh, how this, how this ended up ending is that after that timeout, Liberty comes out, throws one out route for like 10 or 15 yards, gets out of bounds with five seconds left, and then kicks a game-winning field goal. That actually Wait, goes through the uprights this time. Who kicked the game-winning field goal? It was not Brenton King. I know that is ah, your next question. Rats. Um, he is probably sitting his one year for his transfer. Uh, you know, a, a, a shame. I, I, I miss that guy, and I think I can say that with full honesty and earnestness now. But, uh, you know, I have thoughts about that statement. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We might get there. We'll, we'll see. Uh, the 2 p.m. on your local RSN, which is also not viewable anymore on Hulu or YouTube TV. Uh, Boston College 16, Syracuse 13. I didn't watch this one. I got nothing, honestly. I got nothing too, but uh, we have a final score and uh, we gave it to you. So uh, maybe that covers it. Bare minimum. We're all about the bare minimum. The 4 p.m. on ACC Network, Pittsburgh 41, Florida State 17. Didn't watch this one either, uh, but we do play Pitt next week and we'll uh, we'll get to that one. Yeah, um, good old Pitt. <laughs> good old Pitt and also good old uh, FSU for making that season opening loss just look Worse and worse. Yeah, well, I mean, if we beat Pitt, then I guess it's just, I was going to say a circle would suck, but that's just FSU sucks twice, which I'm okay with. So uh, there we go. That's fine. Uh, the big game, which is actually a really, really fun game to watch, uh, the 7.30 on NBC, uh, number one, Clemson 40, number four, Notre Dame 47. Uh, this one went to double OT. Yeah, um, it was exciting. I thought it was over uh, with two minutes left when uh, Notre Dame didn't convert on fourth. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, now I'm well, tempted to go look at the win probability graph. Hold, hold on, vamp, vamp for a little bit. So uh, I'll tell a story uh, while Mr. Akshay is gone. Anyways, uh, the first college football game I remember being like able to appreciate where I was because you know you go in elementary school and middle school and. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I didn't come from a big college football family, but I didn't really appreciate it. But I do remember going to uh, Notre Dame Stadium for USC Notre Dame in 2014. And uh, I may not like Notre Dame. I didn't like USC either, but it was just kind of like good college football, you know. Um, But uh, it is definitely a great place to watch a game. And I was shocked kind of to see that they hadn't hosted a team quite like, uh, well, definitely not a number one team like Clemson. 
in a very long time. But uh, even even without that, it's a great place to watch a game. Um, so definitely, the fans definitely got treated last night. Experience, gameplay, all that stuff. They also might have gotten some COVID, but you know we'll, we'll we'll leave that one to the doctors. Yeah, we are not the experts on that. <laughs> okay, so I, I pulled it up. So immediately after Notre Dame failed on that fourth down uh, with two minutes left, I think it was with about two minutes left here, Clemson had a ninety-seven point three percent win probability by ESPN's uh, metrics, and they lost. <laughs> There's so, something broken with win percentage metrics. Then you'd have to uh, that, right. The okay, so to we'll, we'll get back on track, but just very short, uh, very short discussion on this. The ESPN one is definitely a little broken, but it's also you know heavily play by play dependent because they are measuring this as cumulative. Well, not cumulative, but they're measuring this play on a play by play basis and tracking it. Um, and so what what happens is that that's where you sort of get this discrepancy between the post game win, win expectancy and these like isolated uh minute by minute win probability numbers like we can talk about post game win expectancy here and if you go back and look at it uh Bill C posted this morning that uh, Notre Dame actually was you know based on the stats they would have lost this game i i don't remember exactly what the percentage was but they should have lost this game but well, they, they won exactly what I was thinking when they kept settling for field goals early in the game, but yeah, they managed to pull it out. Red zone execution was not great by Notre Dame in this game, and I think the win probability graph kind of kind of reflects that because Notre Dame does not get past seventy five percent on the chart here um, until the until obviously the overtime in the end of the game, but. Clemson hits ninety seven percent and then has a precipitous fall. So, yikes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Little old Dabo's going to have to go back and take little old Clemson to be little old disrespected, I guess. I don't to know. be fair, to be fair, right weird? now, if you... It's, sorry, is it... To finish my point, is it weird to say that Notre Dame was like the underdog in this scenario when Notre Dame is 11 national titles, uh, consistently overrated, Media bias, Subway alumni, NBC contract doesn't even need a conference. No, Notre Dame was definitely the underdog in this scenario. Are you kidding? The last time these two teams played, Notre Dame had three points. It felt like it felt like a Titan went down. Instead of if you played this game to somebody in two thousand five, they would have been like, Notre Dame's back. Gosh darn it! Like this is boring. Right, yeah. but you're also accounting for fifteen years of history where Notre Dame was not that great for a while. This is true. This is true. And I, I don't Charlie Weiss, dude. Charlie Weiss. Oh, I know. I had to listen to Chicago Talk Radio for all of that. But um, no, I, it's it was kind of a delicious day. We got to see UGA and Clemson lose on the same day. Oh How yes, we we didn't happen? even get we didn't even talk about that one. Well, very very quickly because we do have to finish the roundup. <laughs> Florida, Florida, thank you. Thank you so much. The uh, the announcer is saying that the standard in Athens is to compete for a national championship and nothing else when they haven't won one in 40 years and this year won't even be playing for an SEC championship. Mwah, perfect. It was beautiful. Okay. Love- see, okay. I, I think at a certain, a certain level, famous last words, right? Because Florida yep. still has the rest of its schedule to play. 
we're, we're making some drastic assumptions about the way that this year is, go, is going to go or the rest of those games are going to go. But in a vacuum, the way that Florida won is the modern way of college football. It is a way that teams work these days. It is the proper, effective way to win. The way that Georgia plays is, is you know, circa 2010. And it is very clear that it is not working out anymore. And it is also very clear to me personally that it's not because of the offensive coordinators. Uh, and I will leave you, the viewer slash listener, to dissect that statement. Just wait until Missouri beats Georgia next time out. That's all I'm saying. That's uh, – I need to see that meltdown on, on the internet. That would bring me so much joy. I mean, Kentucky held them to 14 points, but, you know, this is not an SEC podcast, so I guess I should probably stop. Uh, this is a this is more of a shot in Freud podcast right now. Hey, if there's one thing you and I are good at, it's that. <laughs> this is very true. Let's, let's finish up. The, uh, the 8 p.m. game that was probably supposed to be on the ACC network, um, Louisville, Virginia, was postponed till next week because of COVID uh, and a COVID outbreak at Louisville. Um, so we'll be on the lookout for that in the preview at the end of the show. Um, yeah, that is about it for this weekend. Uh, but let's talk about some other stuff that happened during the week, specifically in the world of basketball recruiting. Uh, Tech picked up a third top 150 commit, which is weird to say and think about. Uh, especially after the, you know, the usual success that Tech has had recruiting. Um, so that is shooting forward Jalen Moore, uh, who committed to Tech on November 5th. Uh, like I said, he's top 150 overall and a consensus three-star recruit. I am not a basketball person. Uh, I expect that you are and also that you will know more about him. Um, in terms of how they play their game and recruiting and stuff, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't follow really recruiting in almost any sport. Um, I know that makes me a bad podcast host and a bad non-rev yes. writer, but uh, I don't know. I think a lot of it is fooey and based on my family's experiences and my experiences and seeing how people pan out and don't pan out. I think a lot of it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, but that being said, say something nice about the guy. Come on. I was, gonna say, I was about to sit, get to my segue. I think basketball has some of the best, most well-vetted uh, recruiting if, of any sport. Um, just because of how tight the teams are, of how tight the circuit is, I trust these results more than I would trust seeing this for football or for baseball or for swimming. You know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it is possible to see all top 150 players in two weekends of tournaments, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't doubt that uh, Mr. Moore, Mr. Coleman, and uh, Mr. Kelly are the real deal. I think it's fantastic that Passner and, and Passner's reactions are just as critical for me here too. Um, mm-hmm. Because it sounds like he's finally getting, and, and no offense to some of the guys on the team right now, it sounds like he's finally getting those guys that are at the top of his list, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if he's getting in players that he can work with and will, that he thinks will work in his and Reveno's system, um, then I think we're cooking. I mean, Jordan Usher this week 
promised a, or assured us an NCAA tournament bid. It just is a matter of which seed. Um, it's so a very bold statement. It is a very bold statement. Hopefully with tournament experience. And if you have a top 50 player coming in and two top 150 players coming in, that is a very good thing to build on the base of losing. Sure. Maybe Alvarado and uh, Usher. I don't know how the eligibility will work out exactly. Cause you know, they might be able to stay. They might not, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know what the last winter eligibility looks like, but uh, we'll have another year at DeVoe. Uh, we'll have another year of Sturdivant. Like, I hope that's how you say his name. Kyle Sturdivant. Sturdivant. And then and then you also have Roddy, Roddy Howard who transferred in from Georgia. So, mm-hmm. And Tristan Maxwell, too. So. Exactly. So, honestly, like, and and you mentioned shooting guard Debo Coleman who committed in, in October, and then uh, guard Miles Kelly that committed uh, in, earlier in September as well to round out the twenty twenty one class. I think that's the year. I'm I'm never sure about these things. Uh, it, anyway, the, the the point I'm I'm coming around to here is you're right. This is a good recruiting class. Like this is not what we're used to. Well, I feel uh, like we're used to just seeing. To seeing a name and going like, who? Yeah. <laughs> and and <laughs> again, like no disrespect to the guys that are on the roster, but this is, I, I think, like you said, Pazner is finally hitting his stride on the recruiting trail, whether that's because of COVID keeping visits and uh, contact more local um, or, or what have you. He's still able to, he's, he's getting his guys. Um, and, and this is a critical year. And I think we, we talked about it, um, in, in the spring when we were still playing basketball, like these two years are super critical. Like these are contract defining years. And I don't feel like that's an exaggeration. I I think Pastner has to make the tournament this year. And if, and if his players are coming out and saying, we feel good and we, we can, we are going to. Uh, guarantee a tournament bid and they're going to call their shot like this and he's backing it up with recruiting like this I think that bodes very well for the next couple of years yeah um, and we do pass it relatively affordably if he does start doing stuff well so that that's always positive I was going to say something else here um, oh yeah and other than uh, other than Shimbari Phillips from Tennessee Passner's been pretty decent at picking up transfers. I mean, Bubba Parham, uh, who came from VMI, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Brandon Alston from Lehigh was pretty solid. I think Jordan Usher will probably be the best of them, but James Banks. Sturdivant. Um, James Banks did fantastic. And yeah, Sturdivant, we haven't seen him play yet at Tech. And uh, Rodney Howard, like we, we were talking about. And we'll see how Rodney Howard and Sturdivant plays, but like the last two we got, Usher and Banks turned out pretty darn well. In, in fact, to the point that I'd say Banks was probably one of our three most defining players of the last two years, other than DeVoe and Alvarado. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of unknowns about this team, I think, but there's also a lot of known quantities, right? We know kind of what, hopefully what we can expect from Moses and Jose Alvarado and Mike DeVoe and Bubba Parham and, We'll kind of see how everybody else fits in with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, you- basketball. I love college basketball. I think it's the the purest expression of 
great basketball. Um, and I'm very excited to see what this team does this year. This is also coming from a Bulls fan, which is so this makes it a very strange statement. Um, anyway, jokes, jokes aside, um, we're talking about a program that finished fifth in the ACC, a surprise fifth. I don't think any of us really saw that coming. Uh, so absolutely I, nobody did. <laughs> no, a- absolutely nobody did. It's not just fifth. They finished with a, with a plus 500 record in, in conference play for the first time in a long, long time. 25 uh, years, right? <laughs> It was, I don't know. I don't think it was 25. It might've been since like Oh three or Oh four or something. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you're talking about other coaches, like uh, um, other, other coaches of Georgia tech have, have not been able to go over 500 in conference play, despite NBA players on their roster. There's, I I can't remember who, what a year exactly that I'm thinking of, but I know exactly what you're thinking of. It's the 2010 team. With uh, Favor, Shumpert, uh, I think maybe Thaddeus Young, and um, oh, I'm forget. I, maybe it's not that, but it, I know it was Shumpert and Favors were on that team. Um, this is also way before my time, so props to me for even remembering that. But that yeah, is- but the, the the point is, like, even that team went what seven and nine in ACC yep. play. Then I don't think it made the tournament either. Yeah. So. It- <laughs> Again, you're building on a what looks to be a good foundation. Obviously, this comes with a caveat. Uh, uh, last season of you, can't, it, COVID didn't really apply because that canceled the conference tournament that Georgia Tech wasn't going to be part of anyway. But you're building, and, and the the caveat there is you had a weaker ACC overall because UVA was, meh, um, Duke was also, meh, um, UNC was. Uh, I'm I'm using a lot of onomatopoeia here because that's kind of how the best way to describe these teams and, and how they performed uh, last year. Honestly, top five when they came to McCamish, but yes, UNC was bad and Virginia was coming off the the title high. Uh, and and I mean, but but they picked up before we go into the praise. Mm-hmm. All Hafner needs to do is schedule a little bit better. No more of this in the last show. <laughs> Again, the scheduling. <laughs> you're not wrong. You're you're not wrong. I think you know getting the the Arkansas game was a good pull. I, I think that was a really really good call. Um, yep. There was also Kentucky last year. They're back um, on the schedule too. Yeah. Yeah, and that was. I mean, I I feel like I remember that Kentucky game being a near miss too. Yep, it was. Yeah, Tech had a lot of near misses last year, and I, I think you know you flip a couple of those fifty percent win probabilities, and you're, um, I mean, obviously they weren't near fifty percent, but you know, bear with me. They're, they're coin flip games. You flip a couple of those, um, you you know, regress the overall percentage to the mean, and you're cooking with gas, especially in a year like this. I, obviously, in a year like this, in in twenty 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 one, you also have a lot of players, a lot of seniors coming back because of the um, extra year of eligibility added. Um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I I feel like that's for basketball too. I don't exactly remember. It might just be for baseball, but it it's going to be interesting to see how these rosters play out. And I, I think you also get an extra year of some of the guys that are on the roster right now because winter sport athletes were also granted a year of extra extra eligibility starting like a couple weeks ago. 
So yeah. it'll be interesting. I, I, I think interesting is definitely the way to put it. Obviously, uh, from the Rumble Suite, we'll be putting out uh, content uh, throughout the road to uh, tip off. I actually don't know when the first game is offhand, which makes me a bad podcaster. Uh, but it's sometime this month. That's what I got oh, for you. There's plenty of bad podcasters. Um, I think it's the 25th um, of November. I don't know if Athens is on the schedule this year. For the first time in many years, I don't know what the deal with that was. We really don't have any team. scheduling news for basketball. I think – and this is a criticism that I've seen a lot in on college basketball Twitter to, to a certain extent, is that these programs and these conferences have had a long time to figure out how they're going to handle COVID um, as from a scheduling perspective, and they have not released any sort of plan. Other than like, well, oh, we're moving the Maui Invitational to Raleigh Durham or whatever. Oh no, Akshay! For don't forget about this. It's what it's far too dangerous for the women's Big Ten ACC challenge to happen. But they can send Georgia Tech to Lincoln for the men's. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think that's Mm-mm. actually the only confirmed scheduling news that we have. I'm I'm not yep. kidding about that. One last point uh, on basketball that I need to get in every year, every day, every month, whatever, Georgia Tech's decision to take the postseason ban last year looks smarter and smarter. So much smarter. <laughs> oh, my uh, goodness. What was Pastor must have known? He's a genius. Pastor actually released the virus. virus I don't know. He's just... Pastor actually released the virus. Galaxy brain move. <sighs> Playing 5D chess, man. I can't even... Uh, Seven all I know checkers. Good defense. <laughs> All right, we need to move on. We've already been at this for a while. Uh, let's talk about Pitt coming up on the football schedule on Saturday. That will be at 7 p.m. on your local RSN. Uh, again, with the caveat that Hulu TV and YouTube TV no longer uh, hold the rights to showing those RSNs. Thank you, Sinclair. Um, so uh, good luck in finding a way to watch those. Um, Vegas has Pitt by eight points. Uh, with an over-under of 53-and-a-half. SP Plus has pit by 4.7 points, putting their pregame win probability at around 61%. Uh, We we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to talk about pit in uh, a little bit at depth. Uh, So where do you want to start? I just want to give you my prediction right off the top. And that's because Kenny Pickett had a good Kenny Pickett week last week, which means he'll have a bad Kenny Pickett week this week. We will win because that is how football works. Yes. You've boiled football down to its purest essence. Congrats. Good or bad cop Kenny Pickett. Yep. That's what well. Okay. Let me, let me hit, let me hit everyone with some, with some more context. So Pittsburgh, uh, they, they, their secondary has had some injuries and some opt-outs. The offense, as per usual, has not been there much at all. Pickett was out for a couple of weeks due to an injury. He came back last week versus FSU. Um, they did win that game, like Jake said, by a healthy margin. They won 41-17. to 17. Um, Pitt, in terms of SP+, which is, the, the I guess, the, the metric du jour that we're going to use, to compare the two teams, they're 39th overall 
and our point about the offense sort of applies here. They're the 93rd ranked offense. Contrast that with their defensive ranking, which is 16th, and then the 13th ranked special teams. And then on the flip side, we have Georgia Tech, 72nd overall, 71st ranked offense, 65th ranked defense, and then 119th uh, special teams. Tech is a more balanced, average to mediocre team, whereas Pitt, as per usual, is it's one of the greatest half teams in the nation. It's always like this, and it's kind of exhausting at this point. Yeah, I, I keep waiting for the year that that offense is going to break through and Pitt's going to go to the top of the conference, but it just never really does. It just I don't get it. It, I, it. It's not the same deal as at Georgia because Pitt does not have the same caliber of players as Georgia, but it's a similar case, right? You got to think that. Bruh, if a Pitt person came to me with the same expectations as a Georgia person, I wouldn't. But I get what you're trying to say. No, like, no, no, I'm not talking about the expectations, right? I'm talking about the the, the defensive-minded coach sort of sticking his hands into the offense, and it, it turns into a whole thing, if you get where I'm going with this. So, so basically, we need a... Uh... Pat I for the Narduzzi guy, and then we'll all be we we'll all be squared away. But no, I, I get what you're trying to say, and I think that's true. But also, I don't really see much more of a window of improvement for them outside of maybe a different OC coach. But but Narduzzi made it to the ACC title game, right? Like I don't think there's okay okay. This comes with the caveat. There's going... nothing you can expect from the man. Yeah, I. I don't think Narduzzi is on the hot seat by any mean, means, and obviously we're not in a position to be talking about other people's hot seats um, because that has already backfired on us once this year uh, at Syracuse. Um, but you can coach as many great half teams as you want, but at a certain point the offense has got has to gotta come, come with you, right? Uh, just, to, just to read off some basic stats here before we – sort of dive in deeper. Uh, Pittsburgh offense, uh, 6.5 yards per play, uh, 11.7 yards per completion. Um, I think that's actually yards per drop back. Um, and then yards per rush, 3.3. Those are all um, 73rd in the nation or worse. The yards per rush number is actually 116th in the nation. Um, and I believe that's out of 127 playing teams. Those are not good. They're yeah, not good at all. You're right. You're right. Okay. Well, again, so some more some more contextual color. We're uh, let's let's talk advanced stats for a second. Um, expected uh, expected points added per play for for the Pittsburgh offense negative point one two five. That is one oh. That's one hundred and fourth in the nation. Success rate of 30, uh, 34.5%, 103rd in the nation. EPA per rush, negative 0.283. That's 113th in the nation. The offense is just not there. It, it, it continues to, you know, again, it's a great half team. Their offense is what their defense makes other offenses look like. 
And yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. If you like, we have it in our in our document here, and you can see that the defense stats for Pitt are basically the same thing that the offense stats are, but they are higher ranked because they are allowing that. Yep. Um, and and none of this should really surprise anybody, should it? In nope. in my opinion, no. Nope. I think nope. I would say that. Um, I'm not so sure. I'm not gonna put words in in your mouth. But to paraphrase Dennis Green's famous Monday Night Football rant, because I was thinking about that today for some reason, they are who we think they are. Like this isn't a surprise for many past Pitt team. And if you this could, hasn't been a, like a change from Pitt for the last five years. Exactly. Exactly. If you can get something to work on offense, then this pit team is like a a consistent, like this pit team is a consistent ACC, like ACC coastal or ACC championship appearance. If they have an offense, if they have a top 60 offense. Yeah. Honestly, like I, I legitimately think that because their defenses are consistently good. Consistently top 20, consistently top 15. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's frankly kind of a breath of fresh air after the teams we've seen the last three games. At least it's something different, honestly. This is very true, um, considering Notre Dame uh, and, and Clemson's proclivity for offense. Yep. Um, and BC's uh, desire to uh, run the football all over us. Uh, despite not running the football well at all uh, the entire season. Uh, I'm not going to make a pick on this game purely because uh, the ACC Coastal is the ACC Coastal, even though we're not doing divisions anymore. Um, I want to say I expect a better showing than previous weeks uh, from Georgia Tech, both on the offensive and, and defensive side of the ball, especially on the defensive side of the ball, given how bad this pit offense is. Um, but I will leave it at, at that. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's round it out with, uh, talking about next week's games in the ACC. All right. Um, Oh my God. You're squeaking and score, uh, squeaking all over the place with that bet of yours. Uh, really harsh on my transition mojo. All right, so the nooner on ACC Network uh, that is awake, Boris at North Carolina. Uh, give me the Tar Heels. Mm, actually, give give me Wake Forest. I think okay. UNC has sort of regressed to the mean, uh, especially with those losses uh, to FSU, and then. Crap, I think they lost one more game after that that I can't remember. What what was that one? Um, that was to... Virginia? Virginia? Virginia, maybe? It was Virginia. Yeah, it was Virginia. I think they've regressed to the mean a little bit. I still think they're a good team, but obviously something has changed in the last couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm feeling frisky. Give me, give me Wake Forest. Fair enough. Okay, the other nooner, and this will be on ESPN2, number nine, Miami at Virginia Tech. I, I think this is an easy call. Give me the Canes. Yeah, same. Easy money. Yeah, that's that one's easy, especially after watching Virginia Tech have some trouble with Liberty. That was an interesting game to watch as an ACC 
conference fan, I guess, in that case. Uh, anyway, moving on, the 3.30 on ACC Network. This is a different time slot for them. Um, Louisville at Virginia, and this is the rescheduled game from last week. I think these two teams are about even. I don't have the spread in front of me, but I, I would say just like eye test-wise, these are two even teams. Yeah, um, I'd agree. I'd probably pick UVA. I have a gut feeling. I don't know what Louisville's going to be look like, be looking like coming out of COVID protocol. I also just don't want to pick Louisville because I don't like their brand of football all that much. So uh, give me UVA. Yeah, give me UVA. I think Louisville is definitely going to still be hurting um, and missing a lot of players on the roster. Obviously, VT started the season out that way and was able to pick up a couple wins. But, um, you know, it just depends on who's out for Louisville on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. Um, Moving on, the 3.30 on ABC, newly minted number two Notre Dame uh, heads to Boston College. Um, I think we're both going to pick the Fighting Irish on this one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we all picked Clemson last week, so uh, go figure. I That one was more of a pick though. I think this one has a bit of a more – this has a, an obvious answer, but – and this is a large but um, – and Notre Dame has – done the letdown look ahead thing, or I guess this is just a letdown spot, the hangover spot before to Boston college. So it will be interesting. I will say yeah. that. Uh, all right. With you getting uh, more tired, let's wrap this up. The seven thirty uh, on ACC network is Florida state at NC state. I don't know if Florida State's going to win another game this year. I'm mildly curious, so let me look at the schedule while you give a pick. I th- I think it's going to be NC State. They they keep coming close. They're ranked for a bit. I I just think they're the better team. I think it's a simple question as that. Okay, so I'm going to agree with you on the NC State pick, but let's let's talk about for for one second. Let's talk about Florida State's schedule the rest of the way. Um, at, at NC State this weekend. Hosting Clemson the next weekend, uh, hosting UVA the weekend after that, and then ending the season at Duke. I think they pick up the Duke game, but th- th- even that is a toss-up, right? Yeah. They're going to go at best one and three down the stretch here. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would agree. There's not a lot left for them to pick up. Uh, Mike Norvell. To a bowl, they'll probably still get one because they have a gigantic fan base who will watch anything. But uh, TV money. That's uh, that's all about the problem. All about the TV money, my dude. Mm-hmm. All right, I think that about wraps it up for the ACC picks. Wait, wait, wait. What was your pick? Oh no, I said I said NC State. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah. I said NC State, but Florida State is going one and three the rest of the way at most. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're on the same page then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that about does it for for me on uh, on today's episode. How how about you? That uh, that does it for me too. I got I got nothing else. Okay, listeners, thank you all for listening, and Mr. Grant, thank you for speaking to me today. We will see you all 
next weekend. Have a good one. Oh.